today. Uh, let's start off here. Uh, of course, normally on our first segment, we usually kind of do the headlines. We call it the thick and the thin of it. We're a little bit later getting into the show today due to the pregame show. Hans Olsen and Will Snowden doing an incredible job getting you ready for this BYU game. So let's run down some headlines while we wait uh, to see what happens with BYU early on in this game. They're just about to kick off in Provo. But starting off real quick, let's run down some of the scores happening in college football around the country. LSU absolutely pummeling Vanderbilt, number four ranked Tigers. They're up 66 to 31 with just over eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Joe Burrow has six touchdown passes in this game. LSU is no longer the old Les Miles LSU. This is a team that is playing an up-tempo spread system, and Joe Burrow is just lighting it up. I saw a stat earlier today that uh, Joe Burrow with his six touchdown passes, there were 70 FBS teams in college football who hadn't uh, thrown for six touchdown passes yet this year, and he did it in one game. So impressive win there, it looks like, for LSU. Wisconsin rolled out to a 35-0 lead, the 13th-ranked Badgers over number 11 Michigan the game is 35 to 14 with just over a minute to go in the game very thorough beating by Wisconsin all five of their touchdowns coming on the ground in that game number nine ranked Florida roughing up Tennessee team BYU handled in overtime a couple of weeks ago the number nine ranked Florida Gators beat them 34 to 3 and in a wild finish, Cal improved to 4 and 0 on the season the number 23 ranked Golden Bears went to Ole Miss Ole Miss had a fourth and goal at the one with time running down, no timeouts. They hustle up to the line, uh, go for a QB sneak, but Evan Weaver and the Cal defense stood up the quarterback, stripped the ball away, and game over. Cal escapes with a 28-20 win on the road at Ole Miss. So some fun games already going on. Alabama also crushing Southern Miss. Number two ranked Crimson Tide beating Southern Miss 49-7. to So we'll keep you updated on scores as they roll along. Like I said here locally, number 22 ranked Washington just kicking off against BYU. A big development just before this game started is that Salman Ahmed, the starting running back for Washington, their top running back, did not make the trip to Provo. According to UW spokesperson, I saw this from Christian Capel on Twitter, uh, said that Salvin Ahmed didn't make the trip. It was due to some health concerns, so he's injured and not able to make the trip. So that should, in theory, help BYU out. We'll see how they do in this game against the Cougars. Of course, BYU throwing it back today, wearing uh, jerseys with royal lettering and the royal pants. Should make for an interesting game. We'll track that for you. We'll give you some highlights, etc., as the game rolls on throughout this afternoon. Some other headlines for you. Moving on over to the NFL. Antonio Brown has been released by the New England Patriots less than two weeks after signing. I believe it was 11 days in all. Of course, Brown has been under the gun. He's had a multiple accusations of uh, sexual assault, etc., levied against him by multiple women. Uh, the Patriots decided that they needed to cut bait with him, so he is now a free agent. Uh, the NFL clarified that as a free agent, he will not be placed on the commissioner's exempt list, which would make him ineligible to play until he signs with another team. But I think there's a big-time debate on if the former Pro Bowl wide receiver plays another game in the NFL due to some of the legal issues and concerns surrounding him. But, of course, uh, kind of crazy to see him uh, after just 11 days, one game with the New England Patriots. He is out. And if you had him on your fantasy team, best of luck to you because I don't know where he's going to sign next or what team is going 
going to sign him going, coming up as well. Former BYU star defensive end Ezekiel Ansah is all set for his Seattle Seahawks debut tomorrow. According to Pete Carroll, the former Pro Bowl pass rusher is cleared to play after dealing with a foot injury early on this season for the Seattle Seahawks. Of course, he signed with Seattle in the offseason. So Ziggy will be on the field for Seattle tomorrow. Should be interesting to see. They'll be playing against the New Orleans Saints, which will feature two quarterbacks. Drew Brees is out for, it looks like, six weeks after undergoing hand surgery. And it looks like Taysom Hill, another former Cougar, could see some extensive time at quarterback tomorrow, splitting reps with Teddy Bridgewater for New Orleans. So a lot to cover on today's show, but of course wanted to get to some of the headlines. One final note, skipping over to the NBA here, wanted to talk for a minute. New tampering rules have been passed. I know a lot of people wondered if the NBA would actually do this, if they would beef up the tampering rules, because we all know that come end of July, you're going to see... uh, all these agents decide, you know what? We're going to sign with X team 20 minutes after free agency opens. And don't tell me that they're not talking to teams before that. That's exactly what they're doing. They are talking to teams before the legal window is open. But the NBA's Board of Governors uh, yesterday unanimously approved a series of measures to more strictly enforce compliance with tampering and salary cap circumvention. In addition to being subject of fines up to now $10 million, teams can also lose draft picks, executives can be suspended, and contracts could be voided when rules are not followed. So uh, Adam Silver and the NBA trying to beef up some of this tampering. I will believe it when I see when they actually enforce these rules on some of the bigger name teams, let's say the Los Angeles Lakers, etc. I don't expect that to necessarily affect it, but it will be interesting. In addition, uh, teams must save communications with agents for one year and random auditing of teams' communication with agents and other teams can take place under these new rules by the NBA. I'm surprised that this was a unanimous pass uh, in terms of all the rules that were changed here in this tampering because I figured some of the bigger name teams and even maybe some of the small market teams might be uh, might be in opposition to how some of these rules are interpreted, etc. But it appears for now that the NBA has beefed up these tampering rules. Like I said, I'm, I'm interested to see if they actually have any teeth to them or if this is just putting, uh, just making it look like you're doing something in terms of what Adam Silver, etc., is doing, and we'll see what happens. So uh, just update on that uh, going along. is going to be interesting to see if these tampering rules actually have any teeth to them. I just don't know because I see what Adam Silver is trying to do. I just don't believe that the NBA has any interest in hurting their product by taking away draft picks, hurting some of these bigger name teams, etc. Uh, an update for you from the football game. Looks like BYU is down early. Touchdown drive for Washington to start the game. We'll get you updates throughout the afternoon on this game, but a touchdown drive put together on their first drive by the Washington Huskies, and we'll keep you updated on that as well. Uh, one other note for you before we take a break here is that the Padres have actually fired their manager. They uh, fired Andy Green after four seasons leading the Padres. They, of course, went out and spent a lot of money uh, earlier on this offseason, and it interesting to see them cut cut bait with Andy Green after four seasons of not giving him much to work with. Let's put it that way. General Manager A.J. Preller said Green in his fourth season was fired because the team had regressed in the second half of the season. The Padres became the first team to change managers this year. Of course, there's just over a week left in the season. San Diego was sitting at 500 at the All-Star break, but has just kind of struggled down the stretch here. Not all that surprising, let's be real, but 
kind of surprising to see San Diego cut bait with a guy who has really kind of struggled through some lean years with San Diego. There's some talk that they could go out in the offseason and maybe pick up a couple of big-name pitchers and really make a pitch or make a run at the playoffs. Who knows? We'll see if that actually happens. Uh, Green was 274 and 366 since he was hired ahead of the 2016 season. San Diego lost 90 or more games in each of his full three years, and it's assured of its ninth straight losing season. Of course, Bruce Bochy was the last manager in San Diego to have any success, and he has since moved on to San Francisco, as we all know. Won three world championships, three world series titles. And he just crossed the 2,000 wins mark as a manager, and he's set to retire this year. I do wonder if he's actually going to be retired for long. We'll see what happens with that because this is a guy who has won at a high level for a long time. I think there are multiple teams that are probably looking at it saying, you sure you're done? You sure you want, don't want to come back and play with us a little bit? Maybe make another run at it? We'll see what happens. But the Padres, they have been the first team to make a move this offseason in terms of their managers in MLB, and I'm sure that'll be more coming as the offseason gets closer and closer. All right, there you go. Some of the headlines as we kick off today's show, the Saturday show, live at Stockton 12 Honda. They've got a great lineup of vehicles. We're looking at two uh, Honda Accords over here right in front of us. We are down here in the Southtown Auto Mall. Come on by, check it out, 10860 South Auto Mall Drive. You can see this building from miles around. You're on I-15, you see the bright blue building. Just got off the 106 South exit hang your first right and you'll see us right here come on by check it out we got plenty of jazz swag to give to you if you want to come by and see what's going on and of course we'll keep you updated on everything going on in the BYU sports world with BYU and Washington facing off right now Jacob Eason on that first drive for Washington 5 of 6 59 yards and a touchdown pass so BYU off to a little bit of a slow start but they had a slow start last week and rallied to beat USC we'll see how they do this afternoon all right we will take a time out here come back on the other side Get into our technical fouls, of course, our segment where we kind of let people who have done stupid things all week long, let them have it a little bit. We'll get to that next, right here on The Saturday Show. If you're coming from the street with dirty shoes on your feet, that's a technical foul. If you switch the radio to some modern music show, that's a technical foul. If you touch the thermostat, you'll get hit with a bat. Cause that's a technical foul. You will feel my wrath. Personal foul, 69, offense. He was giving them the business. A technical foul. Welcome back to welcome back to the Saturday Show. Technical fouls time here on the Saturday Show. We are live at Stockton 12 Honda down here in the Southtown Auto Mall. If you want to come by and say hi, like a few people have done already, love to have you guys come by. And technical fouls, of course, is where we have some fun with stupid things that have happened in sports and otherwise throughout the week. Let's start off in the hockey world. Um, hockey Night in Canada had a great tweet earlier this week. Austin Matthews, and I don't know how many people here are big hockey fans. Of course, we have the Los Angeles. Kings and Vancouver Canucks in Salt Lake City tonight. If you're looking for some NHL hockey action, you can head over to the Vivint Smart Home Arena tonight and watch that. But they actually had a really uh, funny uh, setup with uh, this game. So Austin Matthews, one of the young stars in hockey, plays for the Toronto Maple Leafs. They were playing in a preseason game against Ottawa, and he took exception to some guy hitting him, it looked like, or something like that. And he starts looking around, trying to see the back of his jersey, like, hey, what's your name, rookie? It was just kind of a fl- 
funny thing. So technical foul on Austin Matthews, trying to intimidate another young player in hockey with that. Um, Thursday night football. I don't know how many people watch Thursday night football. I got bored with it, so I went over to the college football game and watched the Tulane and Houston game. But apparently I was not alone. Tom Brady, uh, beat, uh, the, ten- the New England Patriots star quarterback, uh, tweeted out during this game, of course, uh, Tennessee Titans and Jacksonville Jaguars playing against one another. He t- tweeted, uh, quote, I'm turning off this game. I can't watch these ridiculous penalties anymore. And use the hashtag 10 versus JAC. Of course, the official hashtag for the game. And that made me chuckle because I was like, Tom Brady, of all people, is complaining about penalty calls. Uh, I just thought it was kind of funny. We've seen a lot uh, early this, uh, earlier this season with a lot of penalty calls going back and forth in both college and NFL football. Of course, each year we all seem to freak out about the rules changes that come out about uh, college football and the NFL. And, of course, they're called pretty tightly early on in the season. I think they will balance out, though, by the end of the year. You're going to see things kind of shake out. The NFL will figure out what works. They'll strike a balance between, okay, we need this and we need that, and then they'll kind of move on from there. But early on in the season, every year, it seems like we have complaints about something being called or not called in both college and NFL football. Apparently Tom Brady, none too pleased with what's going on in the NFL early on this season. Uh, One last thing for you is I'm calling a technical foul on NBC and the Rugby World Cup. I don't know how many people here listening to this show are big rugby fans, but the Rugby World Cup is the best rugby competition in the world. Of course, they're in the national teams. They're playing for the top prize in rugby. Well, this game is taking place overseas. Uh, the, the tournament's taking place overseas. And if you want to watch this tournament, just one match in it, according to the NBC Gold package that's being broadcast on, you have to have pay 40 bucks per match or $200 overall for the entire tournament. It is an absolutely wild number. I can't believe that anybody's going to pay that amount of money because that's a lot of money to pay to watch one sporting event. I know it involves multiple matches, but come on, NBC. Let's be real. 40 bucks for a single match to watch this live from Japan doesn't seem quite right. So... I uh, just wanted to call a technical foul there on uh, what's going on with the Rugby World Cup. So there you go. Technical fouls, uh, people behaving badly, doing stupid stuff. It's just it's unfortunate. And uh, you look at it and you say, okay, $200 really to watch one, one month's worth of matches? I know that they want to build the sport of rugby. They really feel like the Americas, especially North America, the United States of America, is an underserved market in terms of what rugby fanship could be. But if you're going to charge people $200 to watch this tournament, yeah, that doesn't seem like you're going to get uh, the viewership that you wanted it to be. I would be offering it for cheap, letting people watch it whenever they wanted, even offering it for free if you really want to build it. I know that Major League Rugby is kind of in its neophyte stage here in the United States. We have a team here locally. The MLR is actually based here in Utah. Their headquarters are in Salt Lake City. The Utah Warriors play their matches out at Zions Bank Stadium out there on the Real Salt Lake Academy campus. But this is a sport that is trying to grow in popularity, but if you're going to charge people 200 bucks to watch its premier showcase event during the year or during the, every four years, it's probably not going to work out the way you think it's going to work. So technical foul on the Rugby World Cup and NBC in particular. All right, we will take a time out here. We'll come back. We need to dig in a little bit to this Utah game last night, a disappointing loss for them 
as they go on the road to the Coliseum and they still have not won at the Coliseum now. The last time they won in Los Angeles was at Fiesta Park in 1916. 103 years they have not won a game at uh, at the Coliseum. We'll talk about the latest setback for the Utes, where it kind of leaves them. We'll talk about some of the highlights. Of course, you'll hear from players and coaches from the post game as Patrick Kinahan was on site for the game. Get some of his thoughts and what the players and coaches said after the game as well. So a lot to get to here on the Saturday show. Live from Stockton 12 Honda. Come on by. Check out their great inventory of vehicles. My wife drives a Honda Pilot. She absolutely loves it. We're a big Honda family. Love to have you guys come by. Pick up some jazz swag and say say hello if you're out and about on this Saturday afternoon a beautiful Saturday afternoon up and down the Wasatch Front so come on by say hi I'd love to see you guys say hello and pick up some jazz swag while you're at it we will talk more college football next talking Utah of course get you an update on BYU and Washington as well that's all coming up here on the Saturday show whether you're stuck at the mall in the yard or making a quick trip to the home improvement store. We've got your back. It's gonna be May. This is the Saturday Show with Adrian Lizer and Jake Hatch on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday Show. I'm Jake Hatch, live from Stockton 12 Honda in South in, in Draper, Utah, in the Auto Mall. Come on by, check it out. 10860 South State Street. Come on by, check it out. Washington has just gone up 14 to 3 on BYU. Uh, BYU struggling on defense early on in this game. We'll see what happens here. BYU struggling with a couple of face mask penalties on that latest drive. So see if they can clean that up a little bit. Uh, Jacob Eason looking every bit the part of a five-star quarterback early on in this game. Well, of course, like I said, keep you updated on that game. Once again, we are live here at Stockton 12 Honda. Come on by, check out. We'd love to see you guys. Come on by and say hi. We've got plenty of jazz swag for you to pick up. Love to chat with you about what's going on in the games that you care about most. We're going to take Take a minute here and dig into this game with the University of Utah. Of course, the 10th ranked Utes went on the road to the Los Angeles Coliseum last night. Come away 30 to 23 losers. They are now 0-1 in Pac-12 play. Of course, that was their Pac-12 opener. And it just extends what is just a crazy streak. Utah has literally never won in the Los Angeles Coliseum. Coliseum, I believe, opened up in 1917. And Utah's gone down there, I believe, eight times now. And is 0-8 all-time in that game. And I'm not going to lie. I thought this game was going to be an absolute rout in favor of Utah going into it. I thought the Utes would cover and would probably. I, I thought it was a. I thought it was a double-digit score line. I thought it was what Utah would win by. They come out early, and USC loses uh, Keaton Slovis, their freshman sensation at quarterback, uh, to a possible head injury. He never returned to this game after taking a hit from Lecky Fotu and hitting his head on the ground. Well, no bother, apparently, for USC. Matt Fink comes in, the third-string quarterback, a guy who spent about a month in the, in the transfer portal earlier on this offseason. There were reports he was going to transfer and play for Illinois at one point. Decided to come back. He comes into this game and proceeds to go 21 of 30 for 351 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. T- 
talk about a performance and a half from a third-string redshirt junior quarterback, a guy who stayed ready. Like I said, he spent time in the NCAA transfer portal earlier on this offseason. Uh, Jack Sears, who also is in the transfer portal for USC. We'll see what happens with him because pending how Keaton Slovis uh, recovers from what appeared to be a head injury. I don't know if we ever got official word on what it was. It looked like I thought he'd probably be in the concussion protocol. But they... Uh, Man, this game, disappointing for Utah, I think, all the way around. Tyler Huntley, I thought, was very impressive in this game. He single-handedly kept Utah in it, I felt like, after Zach Moss appeared to suffer a left shoulder injury. He never returned to the game. Of course, uh, knowing how Kyle Whittingham works, unless it is a season-ending injury, you will not uh, hear an update on how long uh, Zach Moss is out for. I I don't want to speculate on how long it was, but it did not look great to see him in a sling and have ice on his shoulder. I know some people said it might have been an AC joint issue, but however long he's out, it's a bummer deal for Utah because he is a guy who is going to set the school's all-time record uh, for uh, for rushing at some point. I thought barring an injury that took him out long term, I still think he gets to that record. But not having him as you about as you kick off Pac-12 play, just another blow to Utah. But like I said, Tyler Huntley very impressive in this game. Twenty-two of thirty, two hundred ten yards, one touchdown passing, and then more importantly. On the ground, I thought it was where he made his biggest impact. He kept drives alive. USC was getting after the quarterback, and he was just acting like Houdini out there, skipping through tackles, picking up tough yards on the ground, picking up first downs. He finished with 18 carries, the most on the team for Utah for 60 yards, had a long of 14 in the game. Devin Brumfield came in and filled in, I thought, pretty well for Tyler, for Zach Moss. Excuse me, not, not Tyler Huntley, Zach Moss. Uh, Brumfield finished the game with 10 carries for 63 yards. But all in all, 247 rushing yards for Utah, 210 yards. You would have thought 457 yards would have been enough to win this game because you shut down USC's rushing game. Vavai Malapiai was the leading rusher for USC in this game with 39 yards. They finished with a total of 13 yards just... We're unable to get uh, get any stops when it came to the passing game uh, for USC. Michael Pittman Jr., a man amongst boys, 10 receptions, 232 yards, had a very impressive catch-and-run 77-yard touchdown pass in the third quarter of that game. And USC gets the win. They're now 2-0 in conference play. A week after losing to BYU in overtime in Provo, they go back home to the Coliseum on a Friday night and beat the Utes. Uh, let's let you hear from Kyle Whittingham now, Utah's head coach, get his thoughts and kind of what he took away from this game, uh, the disappointment factor of his team beginning Pac-12 play 0-1. There's still an opportunity for Utah to uh, win the Pac-12. Let's be real about this. They still have that opportunity. It's still staring them in the face. It's not a great start to go down 0-1 and have USC off to a 2-0 start in the Pac-12 South, but of course... There is nothing that is precluding uh, precluding the Utes from winning the Pac-12. They just have to make up ground now, and that's the tough part. You didn't want to start off 0-1, but here we are, and that's what we're looking at, and we'll see what Utah does beginning next week when they face off against Washington State. All right, let's get to it. Kyle Whittingham, Utah head coach, after the game last night. Okay, uh, tough loss, obviously. Uh, give credit to uh, USC, played well. Some things that uh, led to the led to our demise. Uh, number one, too many penalties. I mean, 
you know, 16 penalties for 120 yards. That's you got to play cleaner than that, and that was a, certainly a huge factor. That, uh, we got to got to be better there. Didn't uh, capitalize uh, deep in the red zone into the first half. Turned the ball over, came away with nothing as we were going in to take the lead. So it's like you know, just left some points on the field there, and uh, mostly uh, we had no answer for the receiving core. Michael Pittman did a number on us. We didn't, didn't, uh, or uh, who had 10 catches for 200 or something? Pittman, yeah, right. So he, uh, we just didn't do a good enough job on him. So we as coaches got to do a better job of, of coaching it and uh, giving our players, uh, allowing them to be more equipped to, to deal with a receiving core like that. So we got to rethink some things uh, coaching wise. But, uh, Thought Tyler played well. We ran the football effectively, 250 yards rushing. You know, we outstatted them, but that doesn't mean anything. I mean, but we did move the ball up and down the field. Uh, they couldn't run the ball on us at all. But uh, like I said, those three things were the overwhelming difference in the game: the penalties, inability to score on that last drive in the first half, and not having an answer for the deep ball. Way too many big plays up the field. And credit them. That's a talented, athletic group of receivers, and. Uh, they made the plays and we didn't. So, questions? Kyle, the first few games, That's a good question because we were very clean in the first few games and and uh, playing, you know, penalty, you know, very limited penalties for football. And all of a sudden tonight, the wheels came off, and it was both teams, and they had a boatload of penalties as well. So they almost canceled themselves out, but but still, we, we can't get penalized 16 times for 120 yards. So that's that's unfortunate. But I firmly believe no one's going undefeated in the South. So we've been we were in this position last year, so it's nothing nothing new to us, nothing we can't handle. But uh, it was just disappointing. Come so close and and, and uh, come up short. But again, give them credit. They, they played well. They, you know, the third quarterback, I think all three of those quarterbacks, they're all like the same guy. I mean, JT Daniels and the last guy and, and uh, Fink. So they're very, very, very close in uh, ability and, and production. And that's, I guess that's why they had such a hard time sorting it out because they were all really uh, good players. Good players. Yeah, the uncharacteristic guy in the secondary. Number one, like I said initially, is their athleticism a wideout. That's a that is a really really talented group. I don't know if we'll see it a group as talented all the rest of the year. Um, just couldn't locate the ball. Oftentimes we're in position, couldn't locate the ball. Just couldn't find it, and they'd go up and, and snatch it. And we we seem a little disoriented at times back there. Um, but still, if you'd have showed me the numbers after the game. You know, what we did, what they did. You know, we had 27 first downs, so they're 16. Uh, you know, we don't lose when we rush the ball for 250 yards. Of course, we just don't, don't lose. We found a way to do that tonight. So we got a rebound, come back next week. Got Washington State coming in. Very similar type of offense. And we got to have answers because tonight we didn't have good enough answers. Kyle, what's the status of that loss? Don't know. Find out tomorrow. You know, we obviously couldn't finish the game. So we'll get uh, a more extensive evaluation tomorrow. Well, it hurts, but that's the next guy up. There's no excuses. Zero excuses. You know, regardless of what happens, next guy up, next man up, whatever. Uh, you know, he's, he's a great back. We hope we get him back soon. But until he's back, uh, he's got to 
do it with the guys we got. I thought Devin Brumfield played well. Devonta Henry Cole played well. I thought those guys did a nice job picking up the slack. The way you stuffed the run all night, were you surprised at the four-minute offense that you did what they did? Yeah, I think we got a little bit uh, impatient up front. And the baggers trying to make a big play and left, left some gaps open which led for those creases, trying to do too much, make something happen, when we really just needed to get a stop and, and try to get one more shot to throw our offense. How about the pressure that SC's defense put on Tyler? Uh, well, they have a couple sacks. He got out of a couple jams. Um, yeah, and they did a good job. They got the Rector kid back this week. He had not played the last few weeks. Uh, Jay Tefelli's a good player. They, they got good players. You know, sound like a broken record. Anytime anyone asks me about them, I let them know the talent level they have, and it's no different this year. And they did a nice job with their defense, and, but we still got over 450 to 470 something yards. I mean, so we we moved the ball. Tyler had a good night. He was over 70 percent completion percentage, no interceptions. Uh, and we just did have that one. You know, the, the critical play for us is the one fumble in the first half, going in to score a touchdown. And they completed like 10 of their first 11 passes. Yeah. How you that up. Yeah, they did. We, we, we changed philosophy a little bit midstream and, and realized that man to man was, we were getting a little bit uh, compromised, I guess you could say, and, and started uh, playing a little more soft zone and trying to keep things in front of us. And, and so, you know, as coaches, we got to do better. We got to give our players uh, a better plan and, and uh, coach them up better. Proud of our players, proud of how they are. I mean, you feel this is the kind of group that can bounce back from this, though? Absolutely. Yeah, it's a tough group. They're, they're, they're proud. They're hardworking. Uh, they're mature. We've got great leadership. And so, absolutely. I get told in the locker room, nobody, I would bet, any amount you want to bet, no one goes through the South undefeated. I just don't see it happening. So, which means we got a shot. I think we were 0-2 last year coming out of the gate. And then, so, so, there's a lot of football left. It's just disappointing to come so close so many times down here and uh, continuously come up short. Thanks a lot, Coach. All right. Thank you. All right, there you go. Kyle Whittingham, Utah head coach, and you heard him highlight it right off the bat, the penalties, man. This was a game that was called very tight from beginning to end. The officials were calling essentially everything. Um, I saw a tweet last night that I retweeted that said, like, I think at the end of the game it was like 26 total penalties. Said the 1990 Miami Hurricanes would be proud of this game. It's kind of true, though. Just a penalty-filled game. Utah finishes with 16 penalties. Uh, USC had 10 of their own. And USC picks up the win. And that's the disappointing part is this was a game that was there for Utah. They were the number 10-ranked team going to USC, who was coming off a loss to BYU. And I I have to say, I don't know what is up with Utah's secondary. I I watched that game, and I watched guys like Jalen Johnson, and they just struggled. Uh, Tariq Lewis got Terrell Burgess. Of course, he had Terrell Burgess, to his credit, had the interception that got Utah back into the game. It looked like USC was about to to pull away. Then he intercepts a bad decision uh, by Matt Fink to throw a ball, and he intercepts it, and they got Utah back into the game. So credit on that in in terms of that, but it's still just a difficult uh, situation when your secondary can't slow down a guy like uh, Michael Pittman. 10 receptions, 232 yards, one touchdown. Amon Ross St. Brown and Tyler Vaughn also added touchdowns of their own. 
Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown finishing with 68 yards on the night. Tyler Vaughn's 49 yards. It's a tough game. It's a tough pill to swallow if you're a Utah fan in this game because it was a game that was there for the taking for Utah. And to their credit, they did battle. They battled through all of those penalties, and they, they attempted to rally late, but they just could not get stops in the passing game when they needed them most of all. Michael Pittman, six foot four, 225 pounds, he looks every bit the part of a guy who is going to be a first-round draft pick in the NFL next April, and he absolutely just devastated the Utes in the passing game last night. I, I think you go back to the drawing board if you're Utah in terms of your pass defense. Uh, a week ago, BYU decided to go with a drop eight, rush three scheme, kind of sat back, kept everything in front of them, and decided to rally to the football. And to their credit, BYU picked up an overtime win over USC. Right now, BYU trails Washington 21-3. to uh, BYU was dry. 72 yards the other way. We'll get to do some of those highlights for you as the show rolls on today. We got guys back in the studio tracking this game pretty closely, so we'll get some highlights for you on the pot, uh, on the show. And it, you just look at it, and it's it's a tough deal if you're if you're a Utah fan to swallow how this game went because you went into this game, you absolutely shut down USC's rushing game. 13 total yards on the ground for USC. Uh, you should have, in all honesty, you did everything you were supposed to do. You made a team one-sided, you made them one-dimensional, and they still beat you. That's the tough part if you're a Utah fan, is seeing the news, or just seeing that game play out the way it did, seeing your team unable to get uh, stops. If I'm, uh, if I'm Utah, I go back to it, and you play against a team like Washington State next week, and of course Washington State, they're going to look at that film from USC and think, you know what, if, USC, if Utah can't stop USC's wide receivers, why are they going to stop us? We're going to go down the field all night long, and we're going to force uh, Utah to, to stop us, and I don't blame them one bit. I absolutely uh, would just go down the field on them all night long until Utah proves they can they can do better. I don't know that uh, it's going to change all in just one week, but you look at it and it's just it's a tough pill to swallow all the way around for for Utah. It's disappointing. You look at your team and you, th- you had an opportunity here. You, of course, were being talked about as a dark horse for the college football playoff. You were the heavy favorite to win the Pac-12 overall, not just the Pac-12 South like you did a year ago. And so for this to go down like it did, it's just a tough, tough, uh, it's just a tough night all the way around for Utah fans. A lot of them on Twitter sounding the disappointment. I don't blame them one bit because you look at how that game went and you had every opportunity to win that game, but it just fell apart all the way around. So we'll keep you updated as things come along in terms of what the U- what the Utes are going to do against Washington State. Adrian Lizer actually expected to join us at some point to, uh, on the show today. Uh, he'll join us. We'll get his thoughts on the game. But disappointing for Utah nonetheless. All right, let's get you some of the highlights from the BYU game going on right now. Of course, BYU right near the end of the first quarter actually just went to quarter, just ended. Number 22, Washington, leads this game 21-3, to and it has been all Washington early on. So let's, let's you hear the first two touchdown passes from Jacob Eason, and then we'll get to the scoop and score here in a minute. So let's cue these up, Brian. Let's go with the two touchdown passes for Washington early on in this game. Easton, as you expect, with all sorts of time. Now he'll get out of there. Throw across his body. Back corner of the end zone to Newton. Touchdown. Richard Newton. Toe tap in the end zone to stay in. 
So there you go, Richard Newton on the first touchdown. And that was a play, it, was a, it looked like it was a busted coverage. Richard Newton, the freshman running back for Washington, gets loose. He's sitting alone in the end zone, gets a toe-tapping toe t- touchdown to give Washington the lead, 7-0. Uh, BYU went down the field, kicked a field goal. The, uh, Jake Oldroyd, he's now 9 of 10 on the season, put through for BYU's first points on the game. Then Washington went right back down the field, and Jacob Eason struck again. Eason off the play fake, throwing, zips one into the end zone, it is caught, touchdown to Aaron Fuller, 17 yards, and plenty of mustard on that touchdown pass for Eason. Watch the safety here, you're going to have to window here, very tight window, you're going to have to throw it over the linebacker, that's unbelievable timing, accuracy, and Fuller knows he's going to get hit by the safety and still makes the play. Yeah, that throw right there, I don't know if you guys saw that. You guys can go back and watch it, but it was a throw that Jacob Eason looked every bit the big-time quarterback he's been touted to be. Put it right over the outstretched arm of a linebacker and right into his wide receiver's hands before Austin Lee, BYU's defensive back, could get there to break it up. And then BYU was mounting a drive. Looked like they might have an opportunity to get some points, get themselves back into this game a little bit, and then disaster strikes. This pressure. Wilson was popped in a big way at the 30, and it is picked up, and Washington running down the field. Brandon Wellington all the way for a touchdown, and there are no flags. It's a scoop and score off the sack, 70-yard touchdown defensive for Washington. Zach Wilson took a big shot there. Yeah, Brandon Wellington returns it officially, I think it was 72 yards on the scoop and score, and that leaves us where we're at, 21-3 to in favor of the Washington Huskies. It's been all UW early on in this game. BYU's got a big hole to dig out of. Can they do it? Uh, we'll see. It should be an interesting afternoon. BYU back on offense here. Zach Wilson currently 5-10 for 53 yards in this game. Tyson Williams, two carries, 16 yards. Matt Bushman having a better game after last week. Two receptions, 27 yards early on. But on the opposite side of things, Jacob Eason, 9-10, of 10, 99 yards. That's an average of 9.9 yards per attempt. Two touchdowns, and that looking every bit the part of the big-time quarterback he expected him to be. So BYU in a deep hole early on in Provo. Of course, we'll keep you updated on that as it rolls along today. And, of course, Utah State coming up tonight right here on the Zone Sports Network. They open up Mountain West Conference play as they face off against San Diego State. We'll keep you updated. Uh, get, get you some of the highlights and thoughts on that game as today's show rolls on as well. All right, we will take a timeout here. We'll come back on the other side. Need to talk a little bit more about what's going on in college football national. Get you some scores. Also talk a little bit locally about high school football last night. Some big-time results. We'll talk about that as the second half of the prep season is underway in the state of Utah. Before we do that, though, do want to tell you today about our title sponsor that we're broadcasting live from today, and that is Stockton 12 Honda. Right down here in the Southtown Auto Mall in Sandy. Come on by and say hi. This month, you can receive a free $10 Target gift card just for bringing in your car for an appraisal. You're not required to purchase anything. You just bring it in, let them take a look at it. You get a free $10 Target gift card. They also, if you want to buy your car today, they'll give you $500 more towards your trade-in. And, of course, they have their great deals on all of their vehicles. Get a 2019 Honda Civic for just $5 a day, a Honda Accord for $6 a day, or a Honda CRV for $7 a day. And the best deal overall is purchase two brand new Hondas for just $12 a day, guys. It's a fantastic way to go about getting yourself a new ride. Stockton 12 Honda does. 
does it the best. My wife drives a Honda Pilot. She absolutely loves it. I would encourage you guys to come on by, check them out. Stockton 12 Honda right down here in the Southtown Auto Mall in Sandy. More in a moment. This is the Saturday show right here on the Zone Sports Network. Weekend is here, and we're breaking down the teams that you're passionate about. Oh, really? This is the Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. I'm Jay Catch, your host here on the show. Thanks again for joining us on a Saturday afternoon, wherever you may be. And look who just rolled in. Our good friend, Adrian Lies. We'll put his headset on here in just a minute. But uh, let's put it this way. Early on, BYU may want to rethink their defensive strategy. And uh, Jacob Eason looks every bit the quarterback that people expected him to be coming out of high school so far in this game. Granted, we've seen BYU over the last few years. They've made more than a few quarterbacks look pretty stellar in their own right. So we'll keep you updated on that game as it rolls along. Want to get you some other scores of note in college football around the country. Number six, Ohio State hosting Miami of Ohio. And Miami of Ohio has one of those rare score lines with five points in this game. They've got a field goal and a safety, but Ohio State has 14 points in their own. So they, own, they lead it 14 to five early on in the second quarter of that game. Texas A&M trailing Auburn 14-3 at Kyle Field. The number eight ranked uh, Auburn is rolling early on. The Aggies will need to pick pick things up. Kellen Mond off to a decent start. Then you get some points on the board. And then the surprising score so far early on in this afternoon, Pitt, the Pittsburgh Panthers, absolutely smoking number 15 UCF so far. 14-0 in the second quarter of that game. We'll see if the Knights can pick things up, but we'll keep you updated on scores as they kind of roll in. Like I said before the break, Washington, number 22nd ranked Huskies, leading BYU 21 to 3. We'll keep you updated on that game as it's in progress as well. SMU in the battle for the Iron Skillet. Yes, you heard me. It's one of the best names in terms of rivalries in college football. The SMU Mustangs leading number 25 TCU 15 to 7 early on in that game. Other games got on final earlier today. Number two, Alabama smokes Southern Miss 49-7. Number four, LSU crushes Vanderbilt 66-38. Never thought I'd see a day that LSU was putting up 60-plus points, but yet here we are. Number nine, Florida uh, takes out Tennessee 34-3. Wisconsin tops Michigan, number 13-ranked Badgers, being the number 11-ranked Wolverines 35-14. And Cal escapes Ole Miss with a 28-20 win in their own right. Adrian. Hey. Whoa. What's up, buddy? My lad, how we doing back there? Oh, we're doing all right. Hi. How Sorry, it took me a second to get here. No problem. How was the volleyball tournament? It was good. Uh, sophomore tournament for Brighton. We took second. Congrats. So it was good. Lost in the finals to uh, Maple Mountain. So All right. So they have a great little team over there, too. So it was a good match. We Sweet. played them yesterday, too, and it was awesome. So, uh, okay. so we took cool. second. Well, yeah, Adrian, so uh, last segment we talked about the Utah loss to USC last mm-hmm. night. Let's revisit that for a minute here. What are kind of your overall takeaways of that loss for Utah? Um, I've got to admit I'm a little surprised. Well, I think all of us are. <laughs> yeah. um, not not about the loss, but just kind of how it went. Okay. And, and uh, I mean, Pittman, what can you say? 
<laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah. 200, like 200 plus yards. 232 yards on um, 10 receptions. 10 receptions, yeah. a touchdown. He was incredible against that man defense. And, um, I mean, we saw the talent. Yeah. What USC can do any week. Was it because they wanted to play for their coach to keep him around? The rumor was that if they got embarrassed, I think the tweet by Sports, Sports by, by Brooks, Brooks said yeah. embarrassed. And uh, they came out and they were ready to play. And uh, I'm, I'm surprised that Utah looked the way they did a little bit, but um, that's what Pac-12 play is. So, Okay, so looking at this game, Adrian, though, USC gets absolutely shut down running the ball. 13 mm-hmm. total rushing yeah. yards in this game. I look back at this, and I wonder if Kyle Whittingham and Morgan Scally, as well as the rest of the defensive staff at Utah, will look back at this and say, you know what? Maybe we should have followed BYU's lead a little mm-hmm. bit and played a little more zone, kept everything in front of us, and rallied to the football. I think they should have at least tried it. Because I felt like they yeah. got, I thought I felt I felt like they kind of thought they were like Stanford. Because Stanford got carved up by Keaton Slovis in mm-hmm. week two by going with this man press coverage. Yeah, I had a former college coach text me late last night after that game saying. That defensive scheme from Utah is when you as an offensive coordinator lick your chops and say, this is going to be fun because we're going to carve them up. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. Yeah. And I just felt like Utah did everything they wanted to do in terms of stopping the rushing game, but then USC just couldn't be stopped in the passing game. Yeah, and if Fink comes in in relief, a couple plays in, <laughs> and Man. it's like there's no difference. Okay. That makes me think, and I how many QBs they got down there? Well, okay. Here's the thing. I think it's. I think part of it is is the system. Uh, I'll be. I'll be honest. I think. I, I think that. I think it's working. I think we've all seen uh, what Washington State has done. Mm-hmm. Mike Leach can essentially insert any guy he wants into his offense, and yeah. they're going to throw for a bazillion yards. But I do think that the, Matt Fink's a talented quarterback. Mm-hmm. And to his credit, he came back to USC when he didn't have to. He entered the transfer portal yeah. at one point. It looked like he was set to go to Illinois. Comes back, and he only goes for, what, 330 and t- three touchdowns? That's a pretty impressive performance by him. And, you know, offensively for Utah, obviously it hurt when Moss went down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you only get six six carries out of him, and they had to – I mean, he's he's what makes the offense tick. Oh, and, absolutely, And you can yes. see, I mean, they have they have lots of talent in that – running back stable, mm-hmm. but it's not quite there yet. And you can see the difference in the drop-off from what Zach Moss can give you and what you can get from the other guys. And they tried. They ran Huntley. had You know, he was pretty decent and 18, yard, uh, 18 carries, 60 yards, which is kind of what they had to do. But, you know, another just super efficient day out of Tyler Huntley. Correct. But seven y- I, in, sometimes in games you need more than seven yards in attempt. Well, and I'm going to give credit to Tyler Huntley. Yeah. He kept Utah alive in this game. I, I agree, but I, I just felt like we needed – he needed – when Moss went down, it needed to be a spectacular performance. Well, absolutely. Yeah, and maybe that's right. asking too much. You're but right. you, you needed that spectacular performance out of your quarterback. He looked like Houdini back there because yeah. that, that Utah offensive line, it had issues last mm-hmm. night. And to his credit, I think he only – did he only take two sacks, I think, total in this mm-hmm. game? Maybe just one? That's a credit to him because there were times it was a jailbreak for USC up front. They were coming after him, and he somehow escaped and picked up three or four yards mm-hmm. downfield. And that was a credit to him. Like you said, I think you're right in regards when Zach Moss goes down, it all becomes it all gets heaped upon Tyler Huntley's shoulders. And I think we've all seen that. Okay, maybe he can't carry a team per se, but he can keep very much keep yeah, them. Yeah, he can keep them alive. And yeah. you know what? The was it the third quarter? They're down twenty-one ten. They drive down the field, and they get uh, make it twenty-one seventeen. Correct. Then they get the interception. Yes. And then they go down the field and they can't and they can't punch it in. 
And I thought when it was 21-20, I thought, ooh, that's a missed opportunity out of the Utes. Oh, it Big was, time. absolutely. Well, and, you even think of that drive before the half where yes. you fumble that ball. Mm-hmm. You get the fumble. And so there a lot of missed opportunities on offense. Uh, I agree with you, kept them in it. Uh-huh. But when Moss went down, it was kind of the, we need it, need it, need it. And sure, he was there, but was waiting for that big-time play, and they couldn't quite figure out how to get that. Yeah, I, and I, as I said last segment, however long Zach Moss is out for, and of course mm-hmm. we're not going to find, we're not going to, Kyle Hanham's not going to show The only time we'll know is if it's season ending. And so you don't want that news. Exactly. And mm-hmm. it, didn't, it didn't appear that it was a super serious injury, but you never want to hear a trainer mouth on the sideline, hey, did it pop out? Yeah. Like that's never something you want to hear. On the shoulder. At least it's like, I don't know, like in the shoulder, maybe you can get it back in there and dislocations are all made it a little different. I mean, Chaz Ayu, yes. we saw last week, it when he's holding his arms hanging on the ground, when he's yeah. running off the field, he's back and he's playing field. this week. Yeah. So you never really know with those dislocations. I mean, BYU's not looking great right now. But, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Pittman, I think, it was the obviously the changing point in this game. Mm-hmm. He just couldn't be stopped. And uh, USC came out and they won a game that they were kind of desperate for. Uh, one team was des- yeah. desperate, and Utah continues to not be able to find that, that win on the road at USC. And in a couple of years, we'll see if they can get them that time. But I, think, uh, I, I was yeah. surprised. I don't want to say disappointed, but I, I thought they were going to win the game. I would have picked them to win the game before. I would have picked them to cover and win. I thought it was going to be maybe a 10-point victory for the Utes. I thought it was going to be double digits. And, myself, I, you know, you know we, we learned that, you know, they're not dead in the conference, obviously, but it's yeah. going to be difficult now. Well, and you've you're, you're now, looking for help yeah. from elsewhere, and you got to go out and you got to win your games. So they they can still the playoff. I think is out of the question. Probably, yeah. Uh, that dream, it was a dream anyway. Yes. But when you're top ten in the country and you're picked to win all your games, then maybe you know you can think about that. But the conference isn't dead. You can still go out with a little help. USC loses a game here, which I still believe they will. Utah can win the South still, and obviously and go on and try to win themselves the Rose Bowl. Well, in essence, what you need, actually, and BYU just had another disaster. Oh, actually got away with an incomplete pass in the end zone. Wow, it was almost a disaster for BYU in that regard. But you're you're right in one thing there, Adrian. The desperation factor for USC. Mm -hmm. I felt like overrode what Utah had coming into this game. you got to give credit to them. I mean, the, the conversation was these guys have all quit on their coach. They've all quit on the program. Like it last night. They've all quit on the program. They've all done that, and and, um, I think it would have been easy to think that Mm -hmm. because we've talked, we've heard in the past that everyone has just quit on Clay Helton. But I think last night we saw that maybe they're not quite done playing for this guy. Maybe not. And, and maybe they can figure out a way to get a couple of wins down yeah. the road. So Yeah, we'll see what happens with that. But I, I felt like this was a, a missed opportunity because now you essentially – you, mm-hmm. you have a game and a half uh, – you're a game and a half behind USC in the, in the Pac-12 South all of a sudden because yep. you now need them to lose two games so that way you can get uh, – you can get back into the lead in the Pac-12 South. BYU punches across a touchdown and maybe climbing back into this game a little bit. We'll keep you updated on that. But it's just it's, you look at it for Utah, and it's a, it's a difficult stretch because I think a lot of us looked at USC saying, okay, if they were to figure things out, USC is probably the top competition to Utah in the Pac-12 South. Sure, yeah. And I think early on the season, we thought, okay, Pac-12, maybe it's going to be a little bit easier than we thought because USC looked like they were out of sorts a little bit. Last night, they looked like a team that looked like what we thought they could be if the talent came through. Will that hold up for eight more games? Who knows? 
but the tough part is Utah is now in a hole and needs USC to drop two games in the Pac-12 as they try and claw their way back into this. Yeah, game. and USC's taking on Washington next week on the road. So it's not a South game, but yeah. they're looking for help out of Washington. And Utah heading into that Washington State game now with that passing defense. Mm-hmm. We'll see what they can do. But I guess that air raid, this is almost the exact same thing they're going to be seeing because it's the exact same guy well, who yeah. is in the system. Well, that's the thing. Mike Leach, he's got to be looking at this film, and he, or he will look at this film after they play their game today. He'll look at that film. Pretty sure they're playing UCLA. He might be watching okay, Utah point. film okay. at halftime. Maybe, maybe so. Yeah. But he's going to look at that film and say, Holy smokes. If USC can go downfield yeah. on Utah, we're going downfield on Utah. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if Washington State has the talented receivers that um, USC does, but they've got a quarterback who sure can throw the ball. Well, yeah. here's, here's the thing. Washington State brought back their top eight pass catchers from a year ago. Okay. They may not be the most talented guys, but they're, they're deep. Right. They're, they're not deep. They're not. Michael Pittman, they're not elite level wide receivers. I mean, that might be that might be a first round. NFL. Oh, he's a, he's a first round. If if a team needs a receiver, he's coming off the board. Oh yeah, in so the he's first a, round. He's a yeah. first round pick, but yeah. they may not have the yeah they may not have the elite uh, wide receivers that USC has, but they have the depth mm. to really go after Utah's. And we'll we'll, we'll have it covered for. We'll have to preview that because that's now all of a sudden that becomes an interesting proposition for the Utes. Yes, it does. Because I would have thought. I mean, I thought they would win the USC game. And then that Washington State game is the big question mark, even in my mind, even more than that Washington game. Yeah. So I think Washington State's better than Washington. Well, and Washington State's given Utah fits in the past. We've all seen sure. it. Sure, yeah. They both have. I mean, yeah. there's three schools in the Pac-12 that Utah can't seem to figure out. Well, it's Washington, Washington State, and USC. And, USC, so. and that's, you're right in that regard. I, you just look at it, though, and you say, okay, this is a missed opportunity for Utah. They, mm-hmm. You look at what they had going for them walking into this game, 10th-ranked team in the country. Like you said, a lot of people saying that USC could make a coaching change if you go out and uh, beat up these guys. But then USC, they came out and played the gangbusters. And it's, it, it, all the way around, it's just a disappointing outing for Utah and they have to go back to the drawing board a little bit here because you look at that pass defense and you can better believe that Washington State, they're going to be like, hey, you know what? We don't even need to run the ball. If we can throw the ball effectively like this, why, why run the ball at all? And, and eliminate, if you make it quick passes, you all of a sudden eliminate that pass rush. At mm-hmm. Utah, so. Well, yeah, and we saw that effective early on in the game. Matt mm-hmm. Fink, as the game went on, that ball came out faster yep. and faster and faster. And guess what? Less and less and less of pressure from yep. Utah. Uh, by the way, Jake Oldroyd misses his point after, and so that touchdown that you alluded to, it's twenty-four to nine. Those never loom large. In no, a game they like don't. This. Never, Come on. Not, never one point. So twenty-four we'll to nine, Washington over BYU right now. So let's put it this way, Adrian. Uh, just a note on BYU and Washington. BYU sitting at two and one on the season. If they do ultimately lose this game, I think BYU fans. Had you, before the season, we gave you the opportunity to say, you know what, we'll give you two of the four games in the first four games, we'll give you two wins. I think 95% of BYU fans would have taken it. Oh, yeah. And I think the two games that they would have thought they would have lost if they were picking two and two would have been the Utah and Washington. Probably, games, you're right. So. And th- this game's not over. It's no. still in the second quarter. We'll yeah. see what happens with BYU They're here. They're going to have to play some defense. Just a little bit because yeah. Jacob Eason looks very, very good yeah. right now. All this, oh, the guy that's not good? Oh, is all of a sudden that looks good? He looks every bit the part right I now. I don't understand why we just decide people aren't good because one game they might not have played to our... Well, it's the thing. You look at it, that game against Cal for Washington was such a weird game. They had a pass.
power outage yep. at the stadium, of all things. They didn't finish it, was it 2 in the morning Pacific mm-hmm. time when the game finished? I give him a little bit of a pass in that regard. Yep. And he played relatively well in that game. It's just it was a, it's a, one of those weird games. It's one of those weird things about college football. You throw kids off, yep. and they seem to just get out of sync. Yep, definitely. All right. Well, we'll take a time out here. We'll come back. Adrian showed up just in time for five minutes of soccer. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. So we'll get to that next. This is the Saturday show right here on the Zone Sports Network. Whether you're stuck at the mall, in the yard, or making a quick trip to the home improvement store, we've got your back. It's going to be May. This is the Saturday Show with Adrian Lizer and Jake Hatch on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Saturday show. I'm Jay Catch alongside Adrian Weiser. We are live today here at Stockton as well. Honda at Southtown Automall. We'll tell you a little bit more about what they're offering our listeners. So we've got plenty of jazz swag. Come on by and say hi if you're cruising around on this Saturday afternoon. Uh, BYU had a chance to get in turnover and couldn't come up with it, so we'll keep you updated on that game as it rolls along. But of course, it is time for five minutes Woo-hoo! of soccer. Adrian's favorite segment on the show each week. Um, Real Salt Lake, disappointing loss at Minnesota last week. They now are on the road at New England tonight, Adrian. It, it appears that RSL, they have an opportunity still to finish with one of the higher seeds in the Western Conference, potentially as high as number two in the conference. The tough part is, though, you have to go clear across the country, play on turf against Bruce Arena and the New, and the New England Revolution here. This is a tough tough match for RSL. Is that turf thing a big deal? In soccer, soccer? it is. It is. Because guys who are older and are talking, RSL's got a few guys that are up above, it seems like over the age of 30 anymore. If you end up with that, uh, it ends up becoming an issue because your knees, it starts to have an effect on those a little bit more. So it will be interesting to see how RSL fares today as they try and pick up some points here. But Bruce Arena the guy went into New England, and he just all he does is win wherever he goes. Of course, we saw him with the Los Angeles Galaxy for he years. He does not win with the U.S. national team. Okay, well, that aside, his first tenure with the, with the men's national team went decently well. I oh, thought, okay. But okay. his second yes, tenure, that's true. I can't deny that his second tenure did not go no. so well. But this is a big opportunity for RSL. Uh, David James and I, of course, host the uh, DJ and Yawk Soccer Talk, a podcast on the Zone Sports Network. We talked about earlier this week, Adrian, that. They've got four matches remaining here for RSL. Two of them against two of the worst teams in the Western Conference. You have a home match against Houston coming up, as well as a road match on Decision Day against Vancouver, which in theory you should get six points from that. With those six points, you pretty much assure yourself that you'll make the playoffs. Now, the other two matches you got here, one against New England tonight and another one against the Los Angeles Galaxy coming up at home, those six points will determine where you end up seated. You can go anywhere from second all the way to seventh place, but if at all possible, you want to host a home match, and tonight's one of those matches you have to have points out of. Yeah, we talked last week that crawled up to second in the Western yes. Conference. Uh, 
dropped off a little bit. Or I guess that was a few weeks ago. I forgot. We haven't done the show in so long together. It's, no, it's, it was a couple weeks ago. They climbed up to second. Yeah. They went to Minnesota Laws, mm-hmm. which dropped them into fourth place. <laughs> Excuse me. But you think if you're going on the road against the seventh, even if it's on the road, you get the seventh place team in the Eastern Conference, you may be able to go in and get that result that you're looking in for. In theory, because New England hasn't been playing as well recently. They had a really good run kind of at the end of the summer here, like mm-hmm. in the July-August months where they really made a run there. But like I said, you're, gonna, you're expected to get those six points from two of the matches. The other six points that are available to you here, three of which come tonight, that's going to go a long way to determining if you host a home match or maybe multiple home matches. You've got to see if you can pick up a road result here. I do wonder how they'll go about the lineup tonight with some of those older players in turf. And your thoughts on the uh, legal situations surrounding the club well, with the uh, Petkey lawsuit. Okay, let's put it this way. I, I, have you read the lawsuit? I've been through a little bit of it, but... Holy smokes, did Mike Petty argument out there. What? He laid it all out Yes, there. he did. Because uh, he's claiming that multiple executives from RSL are, are, are set to leave the club at the, at the end of this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, here's the thing. I look at it, I feel like you're going to see um, a settlement at some point. But I also understand Mike Petkey because it appears that he is arguing that uh, Deloitte Hansen, RSL's owner, painted himself into a corner and had to force Mike, had to fire, had, mm-hmm. forced himself to have to fire Mike Pecky because of his comments that were caught on camera. Right. Because he claims that there was an agreement in place that he was going to be back as the head coach, and if something happened again, then he would be subject to being fired mm-hmm. for cause. But then the whole situation with Deloitte kind of painting himself into a corner. I still feel like this is coming to a settlement at some point. I don't think that Mike Petkey's going to get the full six hundred and whatever thousand dollars he's looking for, but there will be a more sizable settlement coming at some point. I feel like it's That's interesting. Just, yeah, it's it, it, it'll, it'll be following the season. It's something to follow, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, because if some of these things are true, then well, there may be some big time movement in the club. There could be some wholesale changes at, t- at mm-hmm. the top if what Mike Pecky is alleging in this right. lawsuit come to fruition. That's the interesting part about all of it. Yeah. It, it, it'll make for an interesting offseason nonetheless because PK likes to joke all the time. We're going to be joined with Patrick Kinahan coming up next. He's going to join us from Los Angeles. He was on site for the Utah game last night. But as he has said, the, you, you, you want continuity with, your, with teams and coaching staffs crave continuity. Well, if you have a wholesale change at the top, mm-hmm. including executives, that means a team that is looking like they're coming together here for RSL, and you all of a sudden have all of your leadership leave, that could be a bad deal for RSL this offseason, but it makes for an interesting offseason nonetheless in terms of what ultimately will play out. Yeah. Well, there's that five minutes of soccer. Very yeah. interesting as always, Jake. I think I alluded uh, a lot to you the five full minutes today. Oh yeah, we got a full five. So minutes uh, uh, BYU right now turns it over. Uh, I couldn't really tell if so Washington wh- meant to. I don't know if they meant to do that. Do a QB sneak, goal. but they or were, a fake they, field they goal, were, yeah, but they did. They did. Um, Zach Wilson escaping some pressure, able able to find Eleva Hifo. They're moving up the field now, uh, twenty four to nine down there in Provo. About two and a half minutes left in the first half. Getting so, points here would be big for Yeah, BYU. so BYU looking to get some points. Something going on offense a little bit more than they have without turning it over and letting you go back 70 yards the other way. But, yeah, that was not ideal. Um, so they're moving the ball right now. We'll keep you posted on how this half ends. And coming up on the other side, we will have Patrick Kenahan from Los Angeles as he was down there covering um, the USC-Utah game 
for the station. Uh, we're here at Stockton 12 Honda, 108 60 South Automall Drive. Come in, get some shirts, say hi to Eric, get a hat. They've got a great door. They've right got some here. great deals going on right now. Right now, this month, receive a ten dollar. <coughs> excuse me, receive a ten dollar Target gift card just for bringing your car in for an appraisal. A lot of people like to shop at Target, and you can get a gift card to go shopping with. And they're not going to pressure you into it. They're just—they're no. trying to get. They sell so many uh, certified pre-owned cars. They're looking to get some more vehicles on the lot and Absolutely. to get you into a brand new Honda. I mean, this yep. Accord SI is pre-owned right in front of us. It's a beautiful gray. We've also got a. Uh, a couple of Accords in here right now. Yeah. So come in and see us. And, of course, they've got their deals where you can get a Civic for $5 a day, an Accord for $6 a day, a CRV for $7 a day, or you can just get two Hondas and go for $12 a day. That's the best deal. That's the best deal yeah. out there. So come down and see us. Check out some of these Hondas. Come, uh, Or if you have a Honda like Jake does, and he mm-hmm. came down and he got his work done once while we were doing the show. Absolutely. They came and finished it while, they were, while we were here. So um, come down and see us. We've got lots going on for the rest of the show. Patrick Kinahan joining us next from Los Angeles, and I will also keep you posted on some scores across college football and BYU as they are taking on Washington right now. Moving down the field pretty well. Minute 10 left in the first half. That's all coming up here on the Saturday Show.